Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. So we're finishing our CrossFit series today. Uh, it's been a great series. Who's enjoyed CrossFit? Good. It's all about spiritual disciplines, and uh, we know that physical exercise is good. Yeah, some of us know that physical exercise is good, (laughs) but there are spiritual disciplines, and that's what this series is about, spiritual disciplines that keep us cross-fit. Most of the topics we've looked at in this series have focused on how we singular can put disciplines into our lives to help us singular grow. The same can be said for when we're doing physical training. We can train by ourselves. Like when I exercise, I exercise by myself. I run and I do interval training. It's my preference. Some people hate that. They only like to do sport if they can do it with someone else. The team sport people. Do we have any team sport people here? Yeah, a few. That's where they like to... CrossFit, the program, is not only a singular sport, it involves teamwork as well. Here's a quote here. Two to three times a week, a CrossFit class program involves team workouts, where you have the chance to work with someone in your class of a similar ability to overcome the given task. Cheer hard for each other, work hard for each other. It's team spirit at its finest, as you don't want to let your partner or team down, So you work that little bit harder. It's an excellent motivator. Being CrossFit spiritually is not just a single endeavor. Today, we're talking about the spiritual discipline of team. We're talking about the community of the church. Because the church is not just a whole heap of individuals, it's a community. Acts 2, those who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. That's a good day. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved." This passage is commonly used to describe the perfect community or the perfect church. It's held up by those who love the communal living scene. That's not me, by the way. (laughs) As how we're all supposed to live. And for those who are not wired that way, they happily ignore it. In this scripture... Yeah, like, is this scripture really describing the perfect church community? That's my question to you this morning. Actually, it's not. It's actually this scripture in my... No, (laughs) let me me finish. (laughs) This scripture is a picture of a very devoted group of people who have only just been brought together. 
At the beginning of, their, of the passage, they've gone from 120 people to 3,000 in one day. And they are in the honeymoon phase of their relationship. <laughs> you know what it's like when you get together with someone and you can't be apart? And you're texting, and well, they wouldn't have been doing that, but, and you're ringing each other, and you just, just have to always be together. In some ways, this church has not actually come to full maturity. As you continue to read through Acts, you see changes take place in the early church. Their meeting structure changes. Their giving changes. Their leadership structure changes. Missions are put in place. They begin to deal with persecution. They allow the Gentiles in. They have to deal with contentions and they have to bring in policies. Yeah, fun. So what am I saying? It's oversimplistic to take this passage of scripture and say this is how the church must be. But that doesn't negate that there are certain things for us to take from this passage of scripture. The four activities of the early church found in this passage are priorities for the church. Bible says that the early church devoted themselves to these four things, and they are important spiritual disciplines. They are the fruit of a church that has been genuinely touched by Jesus Christ and is following him. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Each of the activities that they devoted themselves to are corporate activities, things the church did together. But it's not just doing things together, it's more than that, it's, it's unity. It's not just affection, it's genuine love. And there is awe, if you read through Acts, there is awe, awe of what God is up to. And that's what church is, that's what church should be. It should be this awesome place where heaven comes to earth and people are changed forever. So, what are the four things? Let's look at them. The first one was the apostles' teaching. What is the apostles' teaching? It would be reasonable to assume that it was what we hear Peter talking about in Acts 2. Do you know what that was? It was the gospel. They devoted themselves to the gospel, to the good news. As they devoted themselves to sharing the gospel, people were responding, people were being healed, miracles were happening in the church, and the church was growing daily. Sounds pretty good to me. Anyone else? God was working in and through them. There was awe, there was excitement, there was joy. You know what? The gospel is still good news. It is still the power of God for salvation. It never goes out of style. It never loses its power. And we must never lose our passion for sharing the gospel in this church and out in the world. Singularly and corporately. You know, we do things. We've got CAP in a few weeks. We've got our lunch for the Christmas lunch for the lonely coming up. But, you know, we've got to share our testimony. There are moments that God will give each of us where we have the opportunity to give out, you know, to tell our story. The gospel. Staying devoted to the gospel. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is also the word of God. Of God is the foundation. It is the starting point for every aspect of the Christian life. It's food. Jesus 
called it our daily bread. Have you had any fresh bread lately? Or is your bread stale and moldy and not that great? Fresh bread. Fresh bread is fresh bread is awesome. Who likes fresh bread? Yeah. The smell, the taste, a bit of lurpak. That's the butter. That's the butter that everyone needs to know about. Anyway. The word of God. More often than not, when when I feel God speaking to me for our church, do you know what how it comes through? It comes through a scripture. When I stand up here on a Sunday and say something, it will most of the time be the word of God. I'm not talking about when I'm preaching. I'm talking about in that worship time. It will be the word of God because the word of God is alive. And the word of God changes situations. Have you had your fresh bread today? Martin Luther says this, I study my Bible like I gather apples. First I shake the whole tree that the ripest may fall. Then I shake each limb. When I've shaken each limb, I shake the branch and every twig. Then I look under every leaf. I search the Bible as a whole, like shaking the whole tree. Then I shake every limb, study book after book. Then I shake every branch, giving attention to the chapters. Then I shake every twig, or a careful study of the paragraphs and sentences and words and their meanings. There is depth to the Word of God. There is so much depth. Don't just, don't just read it like a novel. Take a passage and meditate on it. What are you saying to me, God? What is the fresh bread you have for me today, Lord? Take a passage and speak it out over your life. I regularly, before I preach, speak out Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. What's your scripture that you speak out when you get up in the morning and you're anxious? Do you say, Lord Jesus, today I am choosing to be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and supplication, I am bringing my requests to you. And I thank you that the peace of God that passes all understanding is going to guard my heart and my mind today in Christ Jesus. What is it that you're saying over your life? The word of God is powerful. I was praying yesterday and um, I went for a walk and I was praying. And you know those, um, you know the fire danger signs? You've all seen them. You know, there's the low all the way through to the extreme. Well, there was something I was praying about, and I was, my gauge was over in the extreme. Has anyone ever had that? <laughs> the extreme. I was like, this thing. It was just right there. And, and it's like it, it just, it's there. And I'm so sick of it being there. And I just don't want it there anymore, God. And I was praying, and I might have been whinging. That could have been how I was feeling. And God just said a little word, um, Psalm 46. He just whispered that Psalm 46. Be still. Be still. And know that I am God. Be still. And last night as I was thinking I should be sleeping... I got it. See, there's, 
There's so, many op- there's so many options to have the Word of God in our lives. There's so many, like there's apps. There's the actual Word of God. I saw Tim had his Bible with him today. Go, Tim. That's impressive. You've got your Bible too. It's the Tim day. Well done. There's lots of Bibles. I'm impressed. I usually use the electronic version. But I pulled out my app, you know, do a word study. And I clicked on my Strong's, on my app, and all of the things that that means... Be still. I've heard be still. I've heard cease striving. But it also says relax. Let go. And know that I'm God. That situation, Mel, relax. Let go. And know that I'm God. That's what the Word of God does for us if we, use, if we put it into our lives. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Fellowship. In this context, fellowship means joint participation. How are we going? What's going on here? It means joint participation or sharing something in common. Often in the New Testament, when fellowship is mentioned, it's talking about sharing financial resources. It's actually talking about giving. I love that a few weeks ago, someone in our church was given a car. I love that uh, there's another lady in our church who was given all this furniture. Giving, that's, that's fellowship, but it's more than that. Did you know that fellowship is powerful for the body and the soul as well? Did you know that? Fellowship, being together with other people, is a powerful thing for your soul. Paul talked about this study that happened many years ago about a community called Rosetto in Pennsylvania. And it showed how a close-knit community produced healthier and less stressed people. Doctors were amazed. This group of people, they were Italians, and and a whole heap of them moved over from Italy over to Pennsylvania in America. And they weren't dying of anything other than um, old age. They didn't eat perfectly. They didn't exercise all the time. They didn't, they, all of the things that they didn't do, all that they did do was they were a community of people who shared their life together. In some instances, there were three generations living in one home. They would, they would stop and talk to each other on the street. They would all be involved in their local church. They would, they would care for each other. Those that needed things, they would give. It sounds like the early church to me. Does that ring a bell? We are part of a community. Share in this community. Don't don't distance yourself and don't live on the fringe of the community. Come in to the community. Be a part. As I said, Paul and I have spent five days with the Olivers, who were in our church for many, many years. The last two days, we actually did a road trip to the highlands of Scotland. So we drove in the car together for four hours. We ate together. We talked and talked and talked and prayed and did all... But I'll tell you what the other thing that we did. We laughed hysterically for a lot of the time. We laughed and laughed and laughed. And do you know what? It's so good for the soul. We need community. We need each other. The early church devoted themselves 
to fellowship. They devoted themselves to sharing meals. There is power in sharing a meal with others. I think we've, sometimes we've lost. Oh, I'm going to use the other microphone. I think, I think, I think, we're good? Okay. I think as a society, we've lost and forgotten the power of the meal, of sharing together over some food. I mean, you know, we all say, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. You have to eat. You're going to eat. You're going to eat anyway, amen. Yeah, some of you are going to enjoy, want to eat more and more. You're going to eat anyway, so do it with someone else. Get people over. Why should we share meals? All of the reasons that I'm going to give you right now are examples found in the Gospels with Jesus. You get to know people you wouldn't otherwise. You get to encourage people. You get to know how you can pray for people. You get to know what others are dealing with. You get to celebrate with others. How good is that? That's community. And the last one is prayer. The early church didn't just have a personal prayer life. We all know that a personal prayer life is important. It's essential. Paul Yongi Cho says this, I've got too much to accomplish, so I must pray for four hours every day. Prayer is communion with God, and all of us know that, and you can't have a relationship with someone that you don't speak to, you don't spend time with. Mark 1 says this, very early the next morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus had just spent a busy day, and the crowds, they followed him everywhere he went. Everyone wanted a piece of Jesus. Everyone wanted him, and, but he knew that to be able to achieve anything, he needed to give time to God first. But I'm here to tell you this morning that that is not all there is to prayer. The early church also had a corporate prayer life. Corporate prayer is important. It's not, in my opinion, an optional extra. It is in, as important as preaching the word. It's a vital key to bringing the presence of God to earth. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, pray like this, our Father. He wasn't praying by himself, was he? Our. That means we're all together, praying together. I believe that Jesus, that God wants his church to pray together. As we pray together, his purpose is accelerated. It was a priority for the for the apostles. Listen to this. The apostles learned what to do from Jesus. They walked with him. They lived with him. He talked about prayer in 37 verses in the Gospels. In 33 of those 37 verses, he is talking about corporate prayer. He's talking about praying with others. Jesus was saying that. Private or personal prayer is important, but so is corporate prayer. Corporate prayer. Our Father. We have monthly prayer meetings. We pray before church. We pray in church. There is power in that. The apostles, the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. You can come up, guys. 
to fellowship, to sharing meals, and to prayer. Very important things. They had passion. They had joy. I pray that as a church, we would be characterized by that devotion, by that generosity, by that awe, by that joy. Because that's church. That's what church is. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.